So this is it, last week. My guess is that after, after nine weeks of talking about discipline, you are all like machines now. You only eat fruits and vegetables. You, you always say the right thing. You're not, never tempted to gossip. You're thinking pleasant thoughts and saving all kinds of money, right? <laughs> yes. So we all know it's an ongoing journey. Hopefully, hopefully though, there's some tools, some things that um, it's always good for me to just kind of dive into a topic for a little while to just get myself kind of aware of it. Um, and then it's always good to kind of remind myself um, here and there, like, okay, hold on. When I catch myself, like, hold on, you've been pretty undisciplined for a while. It doesn't take a lot to just start thinking again about it. So today we're going to finish our last lesson, lesson 10. Um, and we are going to be talking about undisciplined hands and feet. Now, with the kids last week, we talked about undisciplined hands and feet, and we talked about don't hit, don't kick, <laughs> don't. So I, that's not what we're going to talk about here. Although if you need that lesson, we can talk about it. <laughs> if you keep your hands to yourself, we, tell, we taught them the hula hoop of personal space. <laughs> Maybe some of you need to learn. This is my hula hoop of personal space, and I respect my personal space and others' personal space. So if you need that lesson, I can <laughs> hook you up with the kids' version. But for us today, I want to talk about hands and feet, and that translates to these two things. What are you doing? Where are you going? We're going to kind of talk big picture, because I think the number one thing for being a disciplined person, we've talked about all the little things, being disciplined with what you say, with being disciplined with your time, with your resources. But in general, I want to live a life of discipline, doing the things God wants me to do not doing the things God doesn't want me to do. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. I think that's one of my greatest challenges as a wife, as a mom, as a follower of Christ, is doing the right things and letting go of the things that God doesn't want me to do. And what does that look like? Where, God, where do you have me? Um, and, and for each of us, it changes in different seasons. It changes. You might think, oh, I've totally got this. I got my plate under control, man. I know exactly. I, I'm doing all the things. And then all of a sudden, something shifts with your family. And you're going, hold on. Maybe I need to change some things. I need to readjust some things. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, I think for a lot of us, our schedules are full. And yet, it's really good to ask yourself, am I really doing the things that God wants me to be doing? Um, are my hands busy with the things that God really wants me to be working on? Or is it just filled with busy stuff that's filling the hours and the days? Um, are my feet taking me the places God really wants me to go? Or is it just kind of wandering aimlessly doing what everybody else is doing? So we've talked about disciplining our time. We talked about disciplining your gifts. And that's part of what we're talking about too, uh, today. But I want to talk more big picture. What is God asking of you at this time in your life? And for this season, maybe it's just literally for the next, till the end of the year, if, for, to get you in that headspace of, God, what do you have for me in this next six weeks? What does that look like? What are the things that you purposely want me to do? Where do you want my hands? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to invest time in? Maybe it's thinking about the new year and thinking, what is 2017 going to look like for me? Um, I always ask God to give me kind of a word something going into the new year, this is the word to kind of focus on. Um, some years it might just be hope, it might be serve, it might be something else. Actually, this I was thinking about it. I think this next year for me, I f I'm already feeling in my spirit the word help. Where can I help? That's God keeps just asking me, where can you help? What can you do to help? 
you can't help everybody, but what can you do to just jump in and just practically serve other people? So maybe you're thinking about that. So I kind of want you to just start thinking a little bit about this next season of your life. What does God want you doing? Uh, Maybe you've been contemplating a change in your work situation. Maybe you've been contemplating a change in your home, moving or selling your house or um, remodeling. I don't know, whatever it is. Maybe you've just been contemplating. And and I think it's just always wise to stop and say, God, where do you want my hands? What do you want me doing? See, everything that we've been talking about in this whole study, it's all for a purpose. There's all purpose in it. God doesn't want you to discipline yourself just so that you can feel good about being disciplined, so that we all can wear a badge of honor like, look at me, you know, look at me, I've got this all together. That is not the reason. God disciplines us for purpose. He says, okay, I want you to get yourself together. I want you to get your mouth under control because I want to use you, and I can't use you unless I know that you have self-control in this area. God doesn't want you to discipline your words so that you are just a nice person. He wants you to be disciplined with your words so that he can speak to you And know that you will be disciplined to say the thing that he wants you to say to somebody else. He's training you to be his vessel, to be used for him. He doesn't want you to discipline your checkbook so that you can end your life with a really big uh, fat bank account. He wants you to discipline your finances so that you can be a vessel and you help other people and serve him. So discipline is all for purpose. It's not all of these things. It's not just so that we can have a nicer life because God uses us and asks us to use what we have to further his kingdom. And his refinement in us, every time I have felt God put his finger on something and just kind of push and go, we're going to work on this for a little while, Christy. We're going to work on this this thing that you're struggling with. And I feel him pressuring me and I feel him pushing me to make changes and to get something, get a handle on something. That refinement is always for a purpose. It always, you know, and I think we can always, hindsight is great. I can always look back after our seasons of life and go, oh, I see you spent a lot of time making sure I got this out of my life because it would have killed me over here. When I moved into this next season of life, if I had carried that baggage in or if I'd carried that, it would have crushed me. I had to be ready for that. And so whatever God has been challenging it in, there is purpose behind that. Uh, we are here to do his work. We are here to be his hands and feet. And so we can't just have a nice disciplined life. We have to think about God. What do you want me to do? Um, I love the verse Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. That is why we are here. We are here to share the good news of Christ with everyone. And everything that we do, everything that your hands find to do, that is for that purpose. Everything that we do, there is not a day wasted. There's not a moment wasted. Everything that we do is about that. So I know for a lot of us, we're in a season of raising our kids. It feels like that takes a lot of our time and our effort. Well, it's not just, you know, in the, in the monotony of our days, sometimes we forget the big picture of why God has given us these children. Psalm 127, 3 through 5 says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. Children born to a young man, they're like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. Becca, your quiver, you are blessed, sister. (laughs) He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city. I love that analogy. Our children are arrows in our quiver. So my prayer is that my kids someday will go out 
and do way more than I have ever done for Christ. That's my number one prayer for them. They are arrows in my hand, and I am training them up, and I am hoping to get them shaped right and get them, teach them all the things they can do so that someday when I shoot that arrow and it goes out into the world, it will accomplish 10 times what I could have ever dreamed of happening. And I love, that's what legacy is. That's what generations are. I love seeing my grandpa who's 95 and seeing his kids out in the world. And then my parents seeing their kids out in the world and now my kids. And it just, it just keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going. And so these days and moments that can feel like I am so sick of the same routine with these kids, don't lose sight of what the work of your hands is really all about. They are arrows in your hand. They are arrows in your quiver that will go out and do far more for Christ than you could ever imagine. Maybe it's your job, and right now you just feel like, oh, it's just I have this job only to pay the bills. I wish if I didn't have to have it, I wouldn't have it. Stop and say, okay, Lord, if this is the, if this is the place that you have me, what do you want the work of my hands to look like? How can I serve you in this in the very best way? Maybe... Whatever it is, just look at the things that God has put in your hands to do and realize that it's for purpose. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the grave where you're going, there is neither working or planning nor knowledge or wisdom. So we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth. So my question today is, what are your hands and feet doing? Are you being disciplined in the work of your hands? Are you faithfully walking out the purposes that God has for you? I think for most of us, the number one things that keeps us from being diligent in the work of our hands is busyness. Our hands get just filled with all kinds of just little things that seem to fill up the moments, and yet we never get to the stuff that God is saying, this is more important, this is the stuff that I really want you to do, and we go, well, I never quite get to that never quite get to that. Well, let's let's just take a step back and say, how can I be faithful and diligent about the, the work of, of my hands? God, what do you want me doing? What do you, how do you want me spending my days? So when busyness keeps us from seeing the needs of those around us, something needs to change. When we're missing out on those opportunities, we have to change something. So I just have three quick points today. We're going to do a shorter lesson today just because we're all in a food coma a little bit after <laughs> all our yummy food. Three things that I think can help us Uh, Be faithful and disciplined at the work of our hands. Number one is to avoid unappointed work. Um, I heard Susie Larson use that phrase years and years and years ago, and it just struck me. I never thought about that word unappointed work, meaning your hands are doing things that God never asked you to do. Unappointed work. It's the stuff we're filling our hands with that God has never said, hey, I want you to do that. Unappointed work. So God has appointed things for us to do every single day, and yet a lot of times our, we are spending our time doing things that God has never asked us to do. We take on things without faithfully considering, is this really God where you want me? Um, Colossians 1, 9, and 10 says, We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will, and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Um, I remember years ago, the first week of a Bible study, uh, reading that verse to everybody, and I really felt compelled to share this little devotional with the group we were with. Now, it was a small group, and there weren't a lot of people there, and so I was just always, I was just always happy when someone showed up, and, and yet... I felt like I should share this lesson, and I was kind of like, Lord, I don't really want to share this lesson, because really what I was saying to the group was, I want you to really consider whether God wants you to be a, 
attend this group. I'm like, you're all welcome. But I just felt very, very compelled to say, well, ask God if this is the place that he wants you to be for this season of life. And there was a lady sitting there, and she was kind of newer to church. And, and I remember sharing this lesson, and, and it wasn't meant to be, because I always hate it when people put the guilt trip like, if you're going to be here, I'm going to have you sign a contract that you're going to attend. You're going to be here. I'm like, come on. We all live real lives, right? So it wasn't meant to be a guilt trip of make sure you good, have good attendance. I just really felt like the Lord wanted me to, to share this lesson about asking God to give you the knowledge of his will. What does he want you to do? And so I shared this little lesson. She came up to me afterwards and she goes, I don't think I'm supposed to come to this Bible study. And I said, that's, that's great. <laughs> and then I was thinking, it's weird. Um, she goes, no, as you were talking, I just felt something. In, and she was brand new Christian. She goes, I just felt something in my heart like maybe God wanted me to do something different with my time. And she said, you know, I think maybe I'm supposed to figure something else out. And I was like, well, good for you. Don't ever come back. <laughs> but I remember it was just like this weird moment. And then I remember she started um, – she came up to me a couple weeks later, and she goes, you know what? I volunteered to teach Sunday school. I felt like God said that this was where he wanted me to spend my time, that I was supposed to help in the kids' class. Well, long story short, this girl had not grown up in church at all, didn't know anything about the Bible, didn't know, did not know David and Goliath, like did not know any stories, didn't know anything. And she felt like God had, had put on her heart, instead of going to this Bible study, I want you to teach like the three- to five-year-old Bible class. And she started coming up to me every week going, I am learning so much about the Bible. Reading the kids' lesson every week, she'd go, I did not know this. I didn't, this, this story, I didn't know that. And it was exactly the level, she goes, I feel so silly that I'm learning so much, but this is the exact way that I needed to learn what the Bible said and all the stories in the Bible. And I just thought, oh God, how good and faithful you are. She probably would have drowned sitting in the Bible study because she just didn't have any context. And yet God faithfully, when she took the time and went, where do you want me to be? God faithfully put her in the exact spot where she would get the, the instruction and the knowledge exactly what she needed. And so I say that to say, sometimes we just dive into things right away. We just dive into things because there's a need. Or, there's, or I should do that or whatever. And we don't stop and go, is this... Give me the knowledge of your will, God. Where do you, do you actually want me here? Do you actually want me doing this? Is this appointed for me or is it just kind of like, well, I guess I'll do that. Stop and say, okay, Lord, where do you want me? Where do you want me to go? Is this where you want me? And, and think, if he says yes, then do it faithfully. If he says no, then say, okay, well, where do you want me? I think it's just wise for all of us to just stop before we just dive in. And I have a volunteer problem. <laughs> I, I love to just dive in for everything. But it's important to stop and just say, okay, Lord, where do you want me to serve? Where do you want me to be? So ask yourself, is God asking me to do this? Ask yourself before you commit to something, God, are you asking me to do this? If the answer is yes, then go for it. If the answer is no, then don't. It's just that simple. It sounds simple when I say it. <laughs> but this is really important. I read a blog a couple of years ago, and I thought this was really good. Um, it was by a guy named David Santasivan, and he said, Jesus was productive. And it wasn't just because he was God, creator of pr productivity. He was productive because he worked on the right things. He only did what he saw the Father doing. When was the last time you asked this question, Father, what are you doing? 
What are you up to in the world? So often we simply decide what to do rather than aligning our actions with what is on God's heart. So in order to be more productive today, ask God what he is doing. Find what he loves in his word and go do that. Then you'll know that you're aligning yourself with the will of God. I think that is so, so wise. Ask God, what are you up to today? What are you doing in my family, in my community, in my neighborhood? And align yourself with what his plans are. So the first thing is to avoid unappointed work. The second thing is to let the Holy Spirit be your guide. This whole study has been really talking about the fact that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And so when we have the Holy Spirit living and active in our lives, uh, we can follow his leading. We can follow his guiding. Um, In the Old Testament, the presence of God was always contained in the tabernacle. So their temple, their church building, the presence of God would rest in that tabernacle. Then when Jesus came and he died on the cross, there was a big veil that was that uh, kept the people separated from the presence of God. When Jesus died on the cross, the first thing that happened was a veil, that veil was ripped from the top to the bottom. It ripped open, which symbolizes that now we can experience the presence of God one-on-one. It's not something that we just experience in church. We experience the presence of God with us. But when Jesus left the earth, when he ascended into heaven, he said, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit will be in you. So not only are we, can we come into the presence of Jesus anytime, anywhere. It's just that the Holy Spirit now lives in us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. So the Holy Spirit now lives in us. And one of the things that that means is that he is our counselor and our advisor. The Holy Spirit now in us will guide us and show us the right way to go. So when we talk about how do we know what appointed work is, what are we supposed to be doing? Well, that's when we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of us that says, I want you to go over here and talk to this person. I want you to go and help this person today. I want you to spend some time in prayer about this. Just this week, I woke up in the middle of the night with somebody on my heart, and I had to stop and go, Holy Spirit, is that you? Is that bad pizza? (laughs) I had to stop and go, no. Okay, wait, I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to pray for that person. When we learn to be people that let the Holy Spirit speak to us and we respond to that, suddenly we're doing the work of his hands because we are in tune with him, and we can do the things that he is asking us to do. The Holy Spirit is in us. So we need to tune our ears to his voice when he tells us the things that our hands and feet need to be doing. When you are full of the spirit, you learn to trust his leading in your life. He will come and put words in your mouth so that you can speak to somebody. Yeah. I think that as her question was, you know, how do you know that the Holy Spirit is in you or how do you hear? I think that just comes from practice. I think a lot of times when you when you feel maybe a little prompting. So let's say um, like when I woke up in the middle of the night and I felt this little nudge and I had someone, a person that I know in my mind, I could have just been like, ah, it's nothing. 
But instead, I've learned when I feel that to stop and say, okay, Lord, is this you? And ask the question. And more often than not, I just go with it because I would rather be like, well, I'm not going to hurt anything if I'm praying for this person. So if I'm going to err, I want to err on the side of doing the thing that I know that I just err on that side. And there will be times that I'll think, oh, well, maybe that was just me. But the more that you acknowledge, okay, Holy Spirit, I think that's you. So I'm going to say the thing that I feel like you're telling me to say, or I'm going to uh, reach out to the person that I feel like you've put on my mind. I think the more that you do that, you become more confident that it's his voice. Does that answer your question? Kind of, sort of. It's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think we just keep asking, and we keep listening, and sometimes um, I will be praying about it, and then a door will open, and I'll go, oh, well, maybe this is what you want me to walk through, or maybe I'll be thinking, Lord, do you want me to talk to that person, and then all of a sudden I'll see them, and I'll go, oh, okay, and so I really think God works in connection with us. He does not try and hide his will from us. He doesn't try and, you know, sometimes I just think, if you know, like he's sneaky up there, like he's just going to make it really difficult for us to follow his plan, and he's not that way. He's a good dad. He's a good father. And so if you imagine how you would want to instruct your kids and give them all the information, God is the same way. And so I think he's just looking for willing vessels. And the more we listen, I think he helps helps make it clear to us. And so when it comes to knowing what you're supposed to do, I think just praying and asking God to show you. And then I think he will. I think he will. I think he reveals it to us. At least in my experience, there are times that I'm not confident. I mean, it would be great if he just like every morning I got up and there was like my morning list from him and it was very clear like today, number one, you know, but that's a part of learning to live a life with the Holy Spirit in you is learning to hear that voice and going, okay, I'm going to, but I think for a lot of us, we think I'm not sure, so I'm not going to do anything. And then we never grow in, in, in knowing because we just wait and think, well, when I'm really, 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 really sure, then I'll do something. I think we have to just keep taking more steps. Um, I was going to share this story uh, a couple of years ago um, when I, my neighbor, Chris, was sick. And so my neighbor right next door um, had cancer and was really, really, really sick. And um, I just felt one morning like I should go over and ask her if I could pray for her. Well, I know her, but I'm, and I could, and here at church, I mean, that's like easy, but he's a neighbor. And I, I didn't know her that well. And I just thought, you know, we talked about our kids. We talked about other things, but it just felt like, I don't know. And I was literally like, my stomach started hurting. I was nervous all day. I kind of kept, I literally walked outside of my house like three times and then went back in because I thought, I don't, I don't want her to be, think that I'm being weird or anything like that. I just don't know. And I could not get away from it. I just kept feeling this nudge in my heart, like, go ask her if you can pray with her. So it would have been easy for me to just like, if God said, go over and bring her food. Well, I could do that in a heartbeat. That wouldn't be a problem go over and just talk to her. That's fine. But I felt very specifically that I was supposed to pray. And so after I argued for a couple hours, finally, I just thought, oh, let's get it. I just have to get this over. So I went over, knocked on her door, went inside, and turned out she was having surgery the next morning, and I didn't know that. And so I just, I sat down, I asked some questions, and then I said, okay, would it be okay with you if I prayed? And so her and her husband both said yes. And so we grabbed hands and prayed and just had this beautiful moment. We were both, we were all crying. 
sing. And just I just felt the presence of God so beautiful in that moment that God was just there. And, and she had said, I was re- really feeling very anxious all day about this surgery tomorrow. And I just thought, thank you, Lord, for speaking and, and allowing me to go do that. Now, I just was so nervous. And I very easily could have just been like, it just is uncomfortable. I could have talked myself out of it so quickly. And yet learning a life of self-control and discipline means when God says to go do something, you just put on your big girl pants and you go do it, even if you're nervous and even if you're not sure. And I kept thinking, I don't want him to think that I'm weird and I don't want him to think that I'm being strange. But if we listen to those little moments, then we get the really great, cool God moments where we have moments where the Holy, we feel the Holy Spirit coming, bringing so much comfort. So allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. That's a part of being believers and having the Holy Spirit inside of us. He'll tell us what to do. He'll tell us what not to do. He'll tell us where to go. He'll tell us where not to go. He'll guide and direct us, but we have to be willing to listen to what he says. There's a, a ver- or a portion of scripture, which is really interesting to me, found in Acts chapter 16, and this is a really great story of Paul having this kind of experience of God really leading and guiding him. Um, Acts 16, 6 through 9, I'll read it to you. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region. I won't say those words. I don't even know where they go. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the providence of Asia. When they came to the border of Myasia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Myasia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging them, come to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen that vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So here is Paul and his buddies, and they are traveling around and preaching. And it says they started to go somewhere, and the Holy Spirit stopped them. It says that we had been kept by the Holy Spirit from going into the providence of Asia. So we don't know whether like somebody stopped them in the border, whether they couldn't get transportation, whether they, whatever it was, they tried to go this way and like the door just slammed in front of them. And then it says we came to another border and tried to enter another country and the spirit of Jesus would not allow us to go there either. And so they were probably thinking, well, okay, we keep trying, and we keep getting stopped. And then the next night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia. And this would have been a group of people that had never had anybody tell them about Jesus, never heard the gospel. Paul was the very first person to go there. And so then that night, God gave him a vision and says, that's where I want you to go. And they realized, oh, well, if we had gone that way, we wouldn't have been ready to go over here if we'd gone here. And so it, I love this story because it says very clearly they were kept by the Holy Spirit. And so for some of you, there have been some doors closing around you and you've been like, Ugh, what is going on? Well, you know what? If something is closing, I think it's God just, I love that he is moving our path. If you look at it as like, you know, one of those mazes where you try and go this way, door closes, door closes. Oh, well, then I guess I go through this one. And then you go try and go here, door closes, door. Okay, well, now... I love that idea that that is how God works with us. And so instead of fighting and banging on those doors like, this is the one I want, open, open, open. (laughs) Instead of just saying, okay, Lord, I just trust that you are guiding my path. So I will follow wherever you're leading me. That is a great way to live our lives, just trusting the Holy Spirit. Paul and Silas, they could have done what they wanted at any point in that journey. And they would have missed 
going to Macedonia. It wasn't even on their radar. But yet, because they were faithful, that is where God sent them. So live a life of filled with the Holy Spirit as he guides us. And the last thing I want to share is number three, work supernaturally. Work supernaturally. How are we supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus? How do we know what to do and when to do it and how to do it? You know, I think for a lot of us, we need to have more Uh, Ask the Holy Spirit to give us just more insight, more wisdom. Show us these things. The Holy Spirit, he knows all. He knows what's going on in everybody's lives. He knows what's going on in the lives of each of the children in your home. He knows what's going on in your spouse. He knows what's going on in your neighbor. For instance, there was no way that I would have known that my neighbor was having surgery the next day and was nervous. But my guess is somewhere during her day, she prayed, Lord, I'm feeling nervous about this surgery. And so he spoke to me to go over and pray with her. And so there was a supernatural component to that. And I think more and more, I want to live a life where I can have the Holy Spirit whispering something to my heart, and I'm able to meet a need through the power of the Holy Spirit that that someone's going to go, wow, I was just praying about that. I was just asking God for this. Maybe it's giving a generous check to somebody over the holidays and they're going, I've been asking God how we're going to how we're going to make ends meet and you just met that need. We all like to get the checks, right? We all like to be the ones like, "Oh, I opened the mailbox and there it was." But you know what? The checks don't get there unless there's somebody on the other end that hears the Holy Spirit, picks up their checkbook and writes it and puts it in the mail. I want to be that I want to be that more and more and more. I love getting them, but man, I want to be the one that someone could go, you have no idea. That's exactly what I needed. The Holy Spirit spoke to you, and you were his hands in how you met that need. I want to do that. And that means we have to learn to supernaturally listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give us supernatural insight into what people are going through to be able to pray with them, um, what's going on inside of them. He will give us supernatural direction of which way to go. Sometimes, have you ever just been like, man, I was just praying about something and I walked into Target and sure enough, there was the person I just started talking and it was that exact, we had this exact conversation or something I read that morning in, in my Bible. It was, it was like God had just already prepared me for that moment. I love those moments and they should be happening all the time if we are people of the Spirit, who the Spirit is living and acting in us. Um, we should have supernatural love. It should come from a place that is not just, well, I, I just, I naturally care for these people and so I'm able to love them. No, the Holy Spirit will fill us with love for people that have never been on our radar to love. He will fill us with that so that we can love the way that God loves. And so we need that supernatural insight and supernatural love working in us. So how do we be the hands and feet of Jesus? It's certainly not going to happen in our own strength. It's certainly not going to happen if we have to rely on our own human initiative, on our own human love, and our own human insight. And it's certainly not going to happen with our own human energy and resources. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to supernaturally work in and through us, he multiplies. He multiplies the work of our hands. He He takes our meager little offerings, and he just allows us, it's like laser focus. It allows us to be able to come and say, I was praying, but I was praying this exact scripture because I think this is what God wants to say to you. Find work empowered. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you and learn to hear his voice and then be disciplined to do what he says. That's always the, that's always the kicker because you always think, ah, I don't want to look crazy. 
I don't know. I don't want to look like, a, a, you know, like whatever. But take the risk. Take the risk and just step out in faith and see if you can't uh, start doing more and more of these things. All right, last verse, Hebrews 12, 12 through 14 says, So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall and be, but become strong. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that you have work for us to do here on this earth, Father, that you, um, you choose to let us be a part of building your kingdom. And everything that you have been teaching us about being in control of our bodies and our minds and our, and our tongues and our, our resources, Lord, it's all for the purpose so that we can be your hands and feet on this earth. We want to be your light. Lord, we're not here just to go through our days uh, with superficial things, but we are here to shed, uh, spread the light of your love to everyone we meet. And so, Father, we want to be faithful. Lord, I don't want to get to the end of my life and, and think, well, I, I created something really nice and sweet, but it was just all about me. Lord, I want my life to bear much fruit. I want my kids to be arrows that go further than me. I want the work that I have done to echo into eternity for those that will have found faith in Christ because of the work of my hands. And so, Lord, I just pray that for all of us, in the next six weeks, in the next upcoming year, Father, that we would know where you want us to go, that we would allow you to lead and guide us, that we would let the Holy Spirit in us. We would, we would train ourselves to be diligent and faithful when we hear you whisper something to us, that we wouldn't talk ourselves out of obeying, we wouldn't talk ourselves out of following through, but God, that we would faithfully do whatever it is you tell us to do. And Father, I thank you that you use us, imperfect as we are, but that you choose to use us. I pray for every woman, Lord, in this study. I pray that you bless her home and her family over this next uh, season. I pray in the name of Jesus you would keep them safe and healthy and strong. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.